Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Expect from their attorneys is they want to win. These large clients want their attorneys to work very hard. The riches get access to the best legal services and pay a lot of money for that. This webinar is about a topic that applies to attorneys and large law firms, but Honestly, it should say something along the lines of why did the best attorneys work so hard and build so many hours? And there's a lot of reasons for it. I'll talk about several of them today. One thing I would like you to consider, and this thought just occurred to me before getting started, is it's important always when you're asking questions about your career, what's happening, what's going on, to put yourself in the shoes of the people that may be controlling you know, this. If you ask yourself why attorneys and large law firms are billing a lot of hours, you may ask yourself, what would I want if I was a huge client with a lot of money to spend? Or what would I want if I was a, a law firm that needed to pay huge salaries to their partners in, in order to retain them so they don't go to other firms? Or what would I want if I was a law firm that needed to pay huge salaries to the best associates coming out of the best law schools and the most desirable practice areas if I was going to retain. The answer to that, of course, is that it's about you needing to work hard. From the client's perspective, they want, if they're spending very high billable hour rates on attorneys, doing all they can to cover their backs. That may mean many hours, and it often does mean a lot of hours and a lot of research and things that doesn't sound important. But if you're a corporation that's generating billions of dollars a year, it is very important. Nothing's more important than protecting yourself from errors. I can tell you that personally, having hired more attorneys than I can count in law firms over the past few decades, that when an attorney doesn't work hard on the matter or and they miss things, it can be devastating and it can cost you millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. In my case, I've been in situations where I've lost. $10 $10 million or more because of bad attorney and because the person that I trusted or the firm that I trusted didn't work hard in the matters because I wasn't a big company or whatever compared to the people they're used to working for. So attorneys work hard. And if you're a client, it's very important, obviously, that your attorney is working extremely hard on your matters because if they don't, they miss things. And that's what wealthy people and wealthy companies expect from their attorneys is that they want to win. It's not just about pride. It's about money and business and protecting themselves. And so that's one reason attorneys work hard. So I just put it in the client's perspective. In perspective, if you're an associate and you're working for partners, those partners are often compensated based on how many hours you bill to their clients. If you work hard for their clients and do very good work and bill a lot of hours, they make more money. If you do good work for their clients, they're happier missing things and making mistakes is something that could cost those clients money. It could cost the attorney whose client it is business, and that's very harmful to them. So they need people that are working hard and researching and finding exceptions and so forth as well. And then from the standpoint of the firm, the firm needs you to bill a lot of hours too. Sometimes you're just institutional clients of the firm, but if you don't bill a lot of hours, it's very hard for the firm to pay your salary. It's very hard for the firm to pay the salaries of the the partners and that that they often guarantee. It's very hard for the firm to pay for its very expensive, they typically have very expensive staff and very expensive offices. And in order to attract the best attorneys, they need to have you working a lot of hours. That's just how it is. It's very difficult for law firms as well. So it's not 
that the law firms are evil. The law firms are just trying to keep everything going. And because the partners expect money, their staff expects money, everybody expects stuff from everyone at every step of the way. And you're just, if you're an associate, for example, you're just part of it. And then from your perspective, why do you work so hard, which I'll talk more about today, is a lot of times the attorneys are working hard because they're competitive with other attorneys in the firm for hours. It's really the only source of value you have to offer when you're, especially when you're a young attorney, it's the most you can contribute is your hours. You're not bringing in business. You're, and, you, and so that's how you contribute. And then also uh, you're learning and you're part of an institution where you're learning. And large law firms hire people that have a history of working hard and high achievement. They want to hire people that got the best grades in law school, that maybe went to the best schools and have worked very hard their whole careers. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And then after I talk about that, I will take as many questions as you have. This webinar, unfortunately, wasn't, I don't think the email went out about it, but we have a lot of time to take questions today. If you have to answer questions, anything about your career or anything else, any other questions you may have related to this webinar. But again, the entire law firm ecosystem is structured so that everyone inside of it is working as hard as they're capable of working and billing as much as they can. In most cases, partners and other people don't stop working hard until they're fired, leave, die, go crazy, or retire. What's funny, I remember when I was in high school, I had a teacher that said when he was in college, he always had this nightmare that a lot of other people had that he was in, he found out a couple, a day or two before an exam that he was enrolled in a class and he'd never been to the class. And there was a final exam in two days and he had to get ready for it. And this is an exam that a nightmare that a lot of people have when they're in college and law school. And I've actually had the exam that nightmare as recently, probably as a couple months ago, I can't remember, but that a lot of people have that nightmare. But another nightmare people have is that they're in a law firm and all this time goes by, whether it's weeks or months, and they haven't billed any hours and they've been working on something else and they wonder what's going to happen. And, and that's how it works in law firms. Your currency is your hours. And so if you stop billing, then everything stops and very quickly, you, in most cases, will lose your job. Now, that's not always the case. A lot of law firms, if you're, you stop billing and they're, or they're not giving you work, will let you stay there indefinitely because they think it's cheaper than getting sued. But that's not always the case. And as a matter of fact, it's generally not the case. But sometimes that's the case as well. So one of the things the large law firms have clients willing to pay for attorneys to work long hours. All law firms, some of them have major corporate clients. And these clients are not as sensitive to large bills and hours as smaller firms. These large clients want their attorneys to work very hard. If you work harder on an issue, you typically get a better result. Smaller law firms typically works for clients that are very sensitive to bills, so they don't have the time to go into a lot of detail on issues and to make sure that they look at things in depth. And typically, the more prestigious the law firm, the better their clients and the more the richer, more powerful the clients, the more money they're willing to pay for the legal services without batting an eye. And they do that with high hourly rates and but with a willingness to pay for lots and lots of hours. They typically, the more prestigious the law, law firm, the more willing the client is to pay for lots of hours and not even in BCG, we rank firms from one to five. The one tends to be your consumer facing firms and your five tend to be the largest of the, and the most powerful firms with the largest, most least cost sensitive clients. These five firms literally will allow people to able get bills sometimes for millions of dollars a month and just pay them. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. 
and one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Whereas, obviously, that would never happen at a one firm, a two firm, or even a mid-sized firm, which would typically be like a three firm. What all this means, the largest, most prestigious firms typically also, these clients can afford to give them lots of legal work. When you think about the size of these clients, a lot of them are generating billions of dollars a year in revenue. And that revenue is just coming in. And in some cases, they have tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars sitting in bank accounts. So when that money comes in, they may review the bills, but they typically pay them promptly. And if there's legal matters, they turn on the tap and will give lots of legal work and without a lot of analysis. Now, that's not to say that firms don't get fired and make mistakes and get caught over billing. And, but for the most part, they're willing to pay for a lot of work. And so you working... If you're an associate working a little, I think is a lot of hours on something is not really, it makes a difference to the partner who's originated that client, if that's the case, but it's not something that is upsetting the clients in most, and the clients in most cases. So a lot of times associates will feel like they're writing endless memos. They'll feel like they're working on litigation that makes no sense. It just keeps going. They don't understand and clients spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars per month. Partners be, might be making up countless drafts of deal documents going back and forth with minuscule things that seem unimportant. And, and the large law firms finding work to be done, it looks like. Now, there's a lot of schools of thought of this, and I, I wanted to just bring this up to uh, everyone that's watching this, because if you're a young associate and even a senior associate, you may be watching this and wondering, why is the law firm extending this litigation? Why are they overworking this deal. And a lot of kid times, which is, and if they're being sued and you're defending someone, or they may, a lot of times when you're at the biggest firms, you're going up against smaller clients and those smaller clients aren't as well-funded. So the strategy is that you work harder and more on something and eventually your financial might will pressure the other side into taking a bad settlement, or it will pressure the other side into not working as hard on, on a deal memo or whatever and then your side will win. I was talking to a corporate attorney years ago, and he said something to me that I couldn't believe, and it was sad. He said that he's always representing these big companies that are buying, or big clients that are buying smaller companies, and he watches these smaller companies get bought for, but that are owned by a single person for tens of millions or even more than that than they're worth, tens of millions of dollars less than they're worth because he has the ability to extract good terms from bad lawyers and stuff. And those entrepreneurs and things tend to use small firms and that sort of thing. And so same thing in private equity and all these other things. The bigger the law firm and the bigger, better the attorney, the better deals they can get. And that often they do that by having the ability to pay lawyers a lot of money.
And smaller companies often cannot afford to do that. And they often don't pay their bills promptly. Large law firms won't tolerate that. Large law firms won't allow them to terms or won't like it if they're given, told to not work hard in the matter because they'll feel like they're not giving service that they're used to. And at those types of firms, as the clients aren't paying as much, you may not be working as many hours. And many times there's not enough work for you to even work out of that many hours at a lot of these smaller firms because the clients aren't willing to pay for it. Again, I want to bring this point up because I do believe it's very relevant and again, almost sad. But what dynamic in the legal profession, for the most part, is the big firms with a lot of money to spend will have the ability with those resources and time and research and quality of attorneys to walk all over smaller law firms without that money, time, and resources, and often to impress those firms with their pedigrees and their power. And it's sad. It's sad because what happens is lots of clients in the legal field do not get taken advantage of by more powerful people and more powerful law firms. And, and again, if you work for a smaller firm, you may be taken advantage of by larger firms a lot of times, in, both in litigation and transactions and all those sorts of things. And again, I watch this on a daily basis and see it, and, and it's more common than not common. Now, there's a lot of extremely good small firms or some incredible plaintiff's firms, but how are they always portrayed? They're portrayed as like renegades, breakaways. They're not a part of the mainstream, all this kind of stuff, but they're just sticking up for their clients. It's important to understand that. And again, when you work at a smaller firm or a firm that's not as prestigious as a lot of these large firms, you have to be very aware that you have to outthink the other side and that the other side is expecting to take advantage, get a deal based on their resources. And frankly, there's a lot to that statement. You know, I always clerked in a court and always watched bigger firms win based on the quality of their work and their persuasiveness, but also their work is a lot of times more trustworthy. You're expecting things to be right and not wrong. Smaller firms do not have the ability many times to overwork matters. And, and because of that, they may not get the best results. So what does that mean? If you're a litigator, it means that you're, you as a large firm, you have the ability to research all sorts of different little points. And those little points that you research many times can turn whatever you have into a winning case. It means you have more time to write really good briefs and to rework them and to highlight the points better and to make them more persuasive. It means you have the time of the transactional attorney to insert all sorts of language that's not questioned by the other side that benefits your side or penalties and other things that aren't that benefit your side and, and not the other side and to spend a lot of time on things and then to go back with multiple drafts, all those sorts of things. And it's just how the system works. And fortunately, but it's just works this way in every part of the world. The richest get access to the best legal services and they pay a lot of money for that. And they often work on things that's unnecessary and they do other things. They'll get what are called private judges that they're connected and they'll do matters that way. They will go into arbitration, arbitrators, where the arbitrators get all the work from the big firms. And so they will give the favor to the big firms because they're getting all the work from them as opposed to the smaller firms. And they know they'll get more recurring work. All sorts of games are going on out there. And those with less money and resources do not get the same level of service and more often than not get results that are not as good as the people with a lot of money and resources. It's just how it is. And I'm letting you know all this because if you want to be on the winning team, most of the time, a lot of time, it's going to be these larger firms. There's also a benefit to working very hard on something. If you do nothing but work on 
one type of contract or one type of litigation all the time, you're going to know the ins and outs compared to a generalist. But there's no other reason. And large law firms typically are made up of specialists. And the associates and partners and others inside the largest law firms that service the richest clients, they learn the system of work to question every detail and transactions and litigation, and they create the best work possible. Those associates and those partners are often more connected in the legal community. They're members of groups. They know members of councils that appoint judges. I mean, all sorts, they have the power to give money to judicial candidates. There's a million things that, that go on that people don't understand when they get into the legal profession about how these large law firms are able to dominate things. And I'm not making statements about this one way or another. If you make a large salary, you're probably able to do more than you can with a smaller salary. It's just how it is. If you have access to rich parents, you can do more than someone that doesn't. It's just, it's how capitalism works. And, and the largest clients expect the best work and those hours and the attorneys put, are expected to put them in. And companies that are paying top dollar for legal services expect this. They want to win. There's an interesting statement and I'll just keep going, but it's just how it works. And then the nice thing about large law firms that you learn there, this is part of kind of the training that you get. And I think it's a very powerful thing, the training. And I think it's very useful is large law firms do not like errors and reasoning. They don't like bows. They don't like logic flaws, flaws that could have been fixed with more analysis and attention to detail and hours. So when you look at the work product, and again, this is one of the benefits many times of clerking, is you can see this stuff when you clerk, because you will look at the work product that comes in from different levels of law firms. And it's fascinating because the large law firms will, and I'm just telling you this as someone that clerked for a federal judge, but and the largest law firms and the best law firms will turn in this work product that is very easy to read and the citations are perfect, looks good. It's, it's on a well-known firm name letterhead. It, it reads very, it's been edited perfectly. You don't see typos and commas and errors and, and it just looks very good. And the logic is good. The headlines of the subject headings of the are good. It's, it's all understandable. The paragraphs are short and snappy and it's just, they're just different types of work that you tend to get from a large firm many times in a smaller law firm. And again, it's not to say that all small law firms are like that, but it's just how it works to court system, for one example. But but it works this way in every in transactional work and everything. And so the idea is that a firm will put in all these hours, and that's what you get. And so they have clients that are willing to pay. They want this type of work product, and, the, and it needs to be very good to justify the hourly rates and the hours that are spent in each matter. The idea is to, and this is, and I, again, I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this, but typically what happens is, especially in the large law firms, is there's always an outside counsel, whether it's an assistant general counsel or someone in the office of the legal department that's reading and looking over the work that the large law firm is doing. And many times, and I'm not criticizing house counsel, but they can get lazy and tired and stuff because they're not really practicing law a lot of times anymore, but not all of them, of course. And that's a generalization that's probably unfair, but what they do is they'll read this work product and they may not understand everything, but if they see a typo, they'll circle it and that will be a really bad thing. And they'll be like, well, you turn to work with a typo. So the idea is that the typos and the mistakes and the things you typically don't see in the large law firms because the idea is that if the, there's these mistakes then the logic of what's going in the thought process behind that the in-house counsel doesn't have, needs, definitely need to understand 
all the time. The general counsel doesn't even understand 15 different areas of law, but they do understand what a typo looks like. And they understand this. Big law firms will turn in stuff that looks perfect. And not all the time, but almost all the time. And the logical flaws and the reasoning and stuff as well. So you look at that and, and many times, and that's one of the ways to justify the fees. And and again, the large law firms aren't paying, the large companies are not paying these fees because it's stupid and wasteful. By paying their attorneys to overwork cases, they're able to extract better settlements. They're able to extract and transactions, better terms, because they're going up against people with less money and they're thinking through matters much more closely. And the work is often very high stakes. Again, a lawsuit can involve hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more. A transaction could be a merger of $2 billion companies. A real estate matter could be a REIT or something with tons of skyscrapers and stuff in a single portfolio. And so most people want to work, not all people, but a lot of people want to work on these more important matters. And if you're working on those more important matters, it requires less room for error, less room to make mistakes, then you have to do better. And the associates and partners who work on these sorts of matters make more money because the clients have the money to spend. The clients are successful. The clients have built these businesses that have become big companies or the company, someone has started a, some group or someone along the way has started a very successful company. Most companies fail and they've started a successful company and they're willing to pay for the best. And that's what they expect from you. And that's one of the things. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. So the other thing is that there's a belief system every in, in large law firms, and they have a belief system that has the attorneys work as hard as they can. So despite the existence of lots of work from corporate clients, none of this would work if there wasn't this sort of belief system that became part of them once they started working in the largest law firms. The largest law firms need to, they have standards and they have acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior and all these things that are happening that make a certain type of attorney. And other attorneys don't even need to tell other attorneys that they need to work hard. It's simply understood. And again, it's there's two two phases to this. There's what associates believe and what partners believe. And there's generally in, in most law firms, there's a brainwashing phase and that lasts one to 10 years. And then there's a what I call the zombie phase, which is when an attorney becomes a partner and their personality almost becomes unrecognizable. And it's very funny, by the way, it's the people become not the same as they were before they went to law school, even their first year or so out of law school. So here's how it works. This is the brainwashing phase. This is where a whole set of beliefs start to be implanted in the new attorney. And the gist of it, and this can take anywhere from three to 12 years, but it, essentially what's happening is the attorney will start to feel completely worthless if they're not, meaning their self-esteem will be low, they'll feel guilty, they'll feel there's a problem. If they're not sitting somewhere in an office or at home and in front of a computer billing, developing business or working in a conference room very late at night. It's just their self-worth is tied to this sort of work. Now, many people's self-worth, I'm not, I don't want to be critical of this because it's this sort of brainwashing phase occurs among great athletes where they're expected to be practicing. It occurs among 
religions when you're expected to go to church and give a percentage of your income or to abide by certain dietary restrictions and if you don't do that i know people that are very religious in different religions and they have they are brainwashed they follow a certain regimen and that's what they do they don't eat certain foods they may be in a service every morning and group every after i mean it's just how it works and this is what happens it happens in different types of businesses there are certain types of businesses that also have a brain there's a brainwashing phase in the medical profession so again i'm not saying that the law firms are evil having a brainwashing phase but it's what they do and they may have but the way this is transformed and it's very funny it's but it's what it is they become in a lot of these large firms someone who may have formerly been very interested in the outdoors and spending a lot of time with their family and friends to someone who feels the most comfortable and even alive when they're doing work-related activities that can be recorded as billable hours this is how they get this becomes their identity whereas before their identity might have been uh, i don't know going to rock concerts or something who knows but their identity changes because this is where they're spending all their time this is where they're getting bad negative feedback this is where they're getting the money to provide for their family and and this is just what happens and it happens it can happen slowly or shortly but it happens so i it's funny for whatever reason it's not for whatever reason but i just i remember growing up with friends that had parents that worked in large law firms and if i went over to their house on a saturday or a sunday they, and the one of the most of the time the parent was at work but if they weren't at work they were at home working they were sitting reading things and doing things billing hours during the weekend certainly that's not to say they worked all weekend but that's what they would do and it's just how it works it's how it works among attorneys when i was practicing law if i go into the office on sunday it would be majority of people there so it's just how it works people get their self-worth from it and it's what the it's what the large law firm inculcates and most attorneys by the way when they go into large law firms they will they they'll realize what's happening and that this is what the emphasis is and they will get sick of it and they'll say i want to go in house or i want to do something else i don't want to be part of this and they leave and they leave because i don't know why they leave but many people leave for different reasons and i would go so far as to say that certain people from certain backgrounds will never make it if you grew up in a very healthy environment and where you're, you're I'm saying healthy and not a way that the opposite is unhealthy but in certain types of environment where your family and the time with your family was emphasized or I don't know practicing your religion or sports all the time I don't know but you may not make it I don't know but and at the same part if you grow up in an environment in which most attorneys a lot of them do when they go to law school where you achievement was the only thing that mattered and where you were relying on others for self-worth or where you were expected to do things then i don't know it's just there's different types of people that fall into this and again i don't think it's bad to fall into it i don't just as i don't think it's bad to become obsessed with sports or bad to be a doctor and work all the time but there is a certain level of kind of brainwashing that occurs and i want to add a few more things about how this brainwashing works because i think it's it's very important to understand the, what's happening to you and what's maybe what's happened to you when you go into a firm and how they're brainwashing you because it is important to understand the mechanism. So the first mechanism is if you bill a lot of hours you're given positive feedback. The positive feedback is almost many times when you're a young attorney will just be very positive. Now if everybody's billing a lot of hours and billing even more you will be maybe not get as positive feedback but you will get positive feedback one story i've told a lot on these webinars but i think is very funny is i was the first firm i quit 
Uh, and when they quit, they came in and they were talking to me about staying and asking me why I was quitting and all this stuff. And I said, this person that I was very close with, was being helping me, didn't make partner and someone else did. And I was upset about it. They said, the person that didn't make partner only built 2,800 hours last year. The person that did build 3,200. Now think about that. Wow. So one person doesn't make partner and leaves because of a 400 hour difference. I, again, I don't know if that was the whole thing, but this is, it was a junior partner that said this to me. So I'm sure there was more that went into it than that, but that was what he interpreted. It was the most important thing was the hours. That's one form of brainwashing. Another form of brainwashing that happens is attorneys will be absolutely torn apart when they're young for simple mistakes and things like that. And it was very funny. I remember I was, again, I've told this story in webinars too. So if you've heard this before, forgive me, but I was sitting next to a first year associate in the second firm I went to. And by that point, I think I was a third year associate and this partner, there were some other first years, like multiple floors of office building, but this first year, this partner would go in and yell at this associate periodically, like once every two, two months or so. And be very visibly mad when he walked in and visibly mad when he walked out. And then when he would walk out, the associate would be very upset and then start working all the time late at night and in the morning. And it got to the point where he actually bought himself a, an espresso machine, which was large for his office and put it in there. And I was like, what's going on? What is this? You know what? And he said, this, he was trained. I'm not even going to name of the firm, but it was a huge firm, like another major, it was a big, very big New York LA firm but a very well-known, like huge. And it's like, that's what they do to the associates at all at this firm. And then that's what he was trained to do. And he was the guy that was supposed to do with all the associates. He goes in there and basically takes apart their work and shows them what's wrong with it and makes them feel badly. And then, and then they improve a little and then he comes back and does the same thing. And he was doing this to all the first year associates in the class. This is a form of brainwashing, making you paranoid about your work and, and all that sort of thing. Very interesting, I think, in a lot of respects, how that works. And, uh, and that's a form of brainwashing. And there's other things too. There's bonuses associated with getting more hours, publicizing who got a higher bonus for hours. There's, yeah, there's just a bunch of things. There's people getting favoritism and given work from the most important partners. If they're, if they do good work and work a lot of hours, given more and more work and the people that aren't doing the best work, not given work. So this, these are all components of brainwashing that turns people into dependent on the firm for feedback, for happiness, for support, for money, for all these sorts of things. And that's what happened and what happens to a lot of people. And it's, it, again, I'm not being critical of this because this is what the law firms do to a certain type of loyalty to their system and everything. And just think about what does the military do? And what do the Green Berets do and the Navy SEALs? They all have different forms of brainwashing people to make them fraternities do the same thing in colleges and sports teams. So it's just, but this is what law firms do and, and it's what they've always done. And I mean, since they've been large law firms and they need to do that. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.